Hello and welcome to the Keep Dancing podcast. We're keeping busy during the three-week break by having some in-depth chats with Strictly fans who enjoy the show in different ways. First up, we're talking to Rob Ferber, who blogs at entertainmentodds.com and uses his knowledge of Strictly and other reality TV shows to boss the betting markets. Hi, Rob. Shall we start by talking about how you got into entertainment betting and what part Strictly played in that? Hi, Ellie. Yeah, um... It was a long time ago now, actually. Um, thinking back, it was probably, I think, it, uh, the Darren Goff series of Strictly. So what was that, 2005? Yeah, I remember it well. I'm, I'm originally from Barnsley, so it was a big deal when old Goffy did really well. Yeah, it was uh, It was that series. I mean, I, I, I was sitting there in the living room um, watching, watching Darren Goff and... I mean, early on, you know, the, the bookmakers had dangled some prices and I, I had a speculative bet on Goff at, at, at the start of the series and he was 25 to 1. And um, I watched and sort of, you know, week by week, he sort of went on the, on the classic kind of Strictly journey and um, it, it was it was great. And I, I was watching it and thinking, you know, this is, um, this is really interesting because I think this is something you know, that I can actually make some make some money uh, on. So, I mean, I come from a journalist background and I suppose I, I kind of realised that it was all about kind of reading the edit of the show. Um, I already had a knowledge of um, betting odds because I was always interested in uh, sports betting. And... Um, yeah, you know, just watching the show, you thought, well, Darren Goff, you know, he's got a really nice profile for this show. I think Middle England uh, are really loving this guy. And he you know, moved so well I'm... for a big lad. He did, he did. And he, he kind of, he showed that it was kind of okay for, for for kind of, you know, tough tough lads to dance, didn't he? Um, and started and... a sort of a noble history of cricketers doing surprisingly well. Well, yeah, exactly, because, you know, after my golf success, then it was like, you know, lightning struck twice when, when Ramprakash pitched up, and I, I thought, you know, he was he was the back pre-series. And then, of course, he came out, and I think week one, he was he was really good, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And, um, again, that was, uh, you know, that was a really, really good win for me. So, um, I mean, back in those early days, the, the odds compilers, uh, they dangled some you know, very generous odds um, because I suppose it was a bit of a niche market. You know, TV betting uh, was something new and, um, you know, I was just able to take advantage basically of, of some of these, what we what we call ricks, you know, where they've, they've made mistakes with the, with the pricing. Um, and, yeah, I had, had those early successes on Strictly and I suppose I did some trading on X Factor as well because, you know, that was on ITV and uh, we had Celebrity Big Brother, and I was sort of applying my skills to all these different shows. And um, like I was saying, it's just all about uh, analysing the the edit, really, and, and also, you know, getting a feel for the profile of the contestants and how you think the viewers at home are, are liking them and maybe not liking them. Yeah, because the Strictly casting is always very interesting because... That there's you know some very straight down the line sort of Saturday night um, BBC stalwart you know family show oriented people and then there's slightly sort of left field like 
what is somebody who was not necessarily a major character in Hollyoaks doing on here? And the random big names. It's, it is a very strangely cast show, I think. Yeah, it really is, yeah. And, and you look at um, this year's cast and it's almost like they've got these boxes that they have to tick, don't they? And they've followed the exact same path that they've done in previous series. You know, you've got your sort of, uh, you know, your Will Young, your, your male pop star, then you've got your former girl band um, contestant, Louise Redknapp, then you've got your Hollyoaks guy, uh, Danny Mack, um, then you've got your big American signing, Anastasia, and, you know, it just goes on and on like that. So um, they seem to like to, you know, tick certain boxes to get their, their mix of uh, contestants. Yeah, I've got a spreadsheet where I've basically, you know, got people set out into, you know, like eight, nine different celebrity categories. And you can basically sort of, do a bit of celebrity chromatography and work out where whereabouts in the finishing order they're going to settle based on what kind of celebrity they are and i guess that is basically one of the things that's central to your methods but it is yeah yeah going back to the the very early days of the tv betting markets where did these original odds when it was a smaller market actually come from just figures pulled out of uh, educated guesses uh, at the actual betting markets it was really i mean that was the thing they were kind of playing in the dark to a certain extent the bookmakers and i i felt that my knowledge could be superior to the odds compilers and it, and it really was and that was kind of the golden age if if you like of uh tv betting in those early days because it was also when online betting was just starting so you know you could set up these accounts with various firms and then um you know, you could you could delve into the strictly outright, and then you know you'd have your elimination markets uh, as well, and and so forth. And you could get you know decent amounts down with with the bookmakers back then. But I mean, now it's evolved, and now they're sort of a lot more savvy um, about these shows, and probably because they've they've lost uh, you know to clients who are very clued up like me. Um, you know they're a lot more sort of stingy now with with the prices that they offer, and of course it's a lot harder to actually get the money down online because they're just not willing to do business with, well, people like me who you know are able to turn a nice profit, um, you know, on on TV betting. So if you're if you're marked up as a TV betting uh, specialist, if you like, you know, because they're like bean counters now and they're analysing. You know, they can easily do it with online accounts. Oh, this guy, look at him. He's only betting on Strictly and X Factor and Eurovision. And he's he's making a profit. No, close his account, you know. So it's the accounts now just don't last very long. And it's very, very difficult to get the money down. But I always have Betfair. You know, Betfair is a, a betting exchange. And it's nothing to do with the bookmakers. And it's just members of public betting. And I can invest my money on there. Although ideally, you know, you really want to be betting with the bookmakers as well because um, generally on Betfair, it's people like me who are, you know, following the shows very, very seriously and very professionally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a little bit harder to see where the the value lies with the odds. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's good fun though. Okay, so earlier you were talking about reading the edit. Um, 
I think everybody will be familiar with the feelings that they've experienced as a consequence of the edit. But can you explain to me what you mean by reading the edit? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much to it, Elliot. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to bore you or your, or your listeners too much with all the kind of uh, intricacies. But um, strictly, it's followed a more manipulated path, I would say, down the years. I think in the early days, you know, they just let it kind of just grow organically, and I, I actually loved it for that because there was more spontaneity, and um, it was less scripted. Uh, that's my memory of it, anyway. Maybe I've just become more savvy with my analysis and I see all of the clever kind of machinations that the producers are are, are doing now. But, um, for instance, you know, with the, with the running order, um, this is, this is key and time and again now on Strictly, it's all teed up for the last couple who dance and you can almost guarantee that they're going to top the leaderboard. And it's that, I suppose it's that old tried and tested formula that they want to end the show on a high note. Um, but, you know, that kind of disappoints me a little bit. I'd much rather that, you know, it was more random. Um, you know, it seems like the judges' comments are, are, are sort of pre-prepared um, and almost, you know, they're willing to sort of ignore the mistakes because it wasn't in the script, you know, and that 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 particular dance was the one that they wanted to be, you know, the one that they were giving the highest scores for. And as you get into the show's, you know, latter weeks... Um, you know, running order does become even more important. So, you know, whoever's on first, that's a distinct disadvantage and you know what they're trying to do there. And often it's a case of, you know, the ones on early are the ones that they're looking to sort of, you know, get into the dance-off to eliminate. Um, I mean, X Factor is still sort of the king of the dark arts, if you like, but the BBC... I would say has has kind of taken a leaf out of Psycho's book, and you know is following um, a lot more manipulated path, and they really do manage the public vote very very astutely now. Wow, the twenty fifteen series, where I think that maybe I I can't tell whether they were trying to manage it for Kelly to win, or whether they didn't realise what they'd got into by having a member of the wanted there what did you make of the 2015 series it seemed like there was only one way it was going from week three yeah i mean it was it was a a series that i look back on now and it puts a smile on my face because i I won a lot of money uh last year thanks to jay Jay mcginnis winning the series he he was my pre-series pick I knew that he had a bit of a dance background and, you know, there was stuff that I'd unearthed on uh, YouTube and and so on. And, well, I think Aliona was quite clever in that week one, he he didn't come out all guns blazing, um, you know, because you don't really want that because then there's absolutely zero kind of journey, Mm -hmm. really. I remember she did that with Matt Baker, didn't she? And it 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 was a real error. And I think maybe she'd learned from that. So she sort of held him back a little bit. And, of course, I mean, it was still quite early in the series, wasn't it? Was it maybe only week three when he came out with her and they did that brilliant jive? Yeah. And like you say, from that point, it's like, well, how does Jay lose? This is a foregone conclusion. And I was happy because I'd got great odds on him. 
And, um, you know, he rapidly became an odds-on favourite. But there's still, you know, the weekly elimination market. So that's always of interest to me. So, you know, week by week, I'm still totally engrossed trying to analyse, you know, who's likely to be in the dance-off, who's going to be in the bottom two, you can bet on that, Mm -hmm. and then who's going to be eliminated and also who's likely to get the highest score. Um, and the lowest score, but those markets, they're sort of they're quite hard to get money down on because there's not much liquidity on Betfair, and the bookmakers tend to sort of duck them now. Um, but yeah, I mean, then come the final, like you say, it was very, very odd. I mean, what went on there? I have no idea. It's, it was like they'd got annoyed with Jay and Aliona, and they tried to do their best to to derail them yeah. uh, and, and and you know it was all about Kelly and Kevin wasn't it they 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 really they really pushed Kelly and Kevin and it actually made the final quite nerve-wracking for me I mean I was still okay I'd, I'd kind of covered on Kelly I wasn't going to lose if Kelly won um but you know my big profit lay on on Jay and Aliona winning the series and uh, the markets actually went into kind of turmoil on Betfair, you know, Kelly was was back down, you know, virtually she was maybe pushing Jay for favourite um, when, you know, when the betting was suspended. Um, it was very much up in the air, you know, when the announcement came as to who had won. And, of course, when Jay and Aliona were called the winners, I was it was a lot of relief for me and delight as well that they'd actually overcome kind of the show's best efforts, it seemed, for them to, you know, to not win. Yeah, I... I mean, I, I don't really like a conspiracy theory, but, I mean, there was the things in the press the other week from uh, the, the Jordans saying that the, the show is desperate to get a Clifton family victory by any means necessary. And I don't know, I really liked Kevin when he first came on the show, but the various bits of comedy VTs and mugging and that ridiculous Fresh Prince routine last year, Kevin has spent all of his sort of charisma points with me and I'm kind of done with him. Well, you, you talk for for so many people when you say that, Elliot. That makes, that makes me laugh because I, I know I know a few other people who, who who trade strictly seriously, and 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 their view their view of Kevin from Grimsby has, has gone in a similar direction. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's the, the Clifton love in on the show. Um, you know, when when you saw their faces, actually, you know, when when Jay and Aliona. Uh, won the series that was priceless to me it was just it was nearly nearly sort of rupaul's drag race levels of oh no face yeah yeah yeah, absolutely so that's like schadenfreude uh, at its best but um yeah i mean you know kevin's popular isn't it i mean he's made the final was it three times so and they've given him a good partner again this year so um you know maybe maybe they do favor him I just wonder as well, maybe it was because Jay and Aliona refused to reprise their, their jive and that put their noses out of joint and they thought, okay, you know, we're going to try and um, make sure you don't win. Yeah, I wonder if that was a sort of a, a are you jeopardising our viewing figures kind of move, which yeah. was totally unnecessary because the Strictly final is going to get massive numbers anyway. It is, yeah, and it, it kind of left a bad taste in the mouth because, you know, I think Strictly compared to X Factor, has a real feel-good feeling about it. You know, it's really enjoyable viewing for, for families up and down the country. And that final, it was just, it was really quite nasty. You know, they, they were so 
sort of negative, weren't they? Yeah. Um, you know, when they were doing their uh, assessments of, of, of the dances and so on. And I just thought they've, they've actually completely ruined the final. Yeah. I, well, I hope they don't put themselves in that position this year. Continuing on techniques. So one of the things that I like to do over the course of the series is sort of reverse engineer the televote from uh, who's in the bottom two and, the, and you know, the, the judges' scores. And I reckon that the televote is basically stable throughout the series. Am I, am I crazy doing that? Is that worth doing? No, you're not. You're not crazy, Ellie. I mean, that's that's what I do. I mean, that's a, that's a key component of my my kind of you know my trading skills, if you like, when it comes to strictly. You know, you look at the leaderboard at the end of the night, and then you think, okay, let's factor in the public vote. Let's think about who's going to be towards the top of the public vote tonight. Who's going to be towards the bottom, and and then let's see, uh, you know, who ends up uh, in jeopardy of being in the bottom two. And I, I base my 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 betting you know on on those appraisals um i i do think the the vote on strictly is is fluid to a degree in the sense that the the kind of the pimp slot you know couple i think regularly get a big public vote boost you know, I'm when, sorry, by pimp slot, just to clarify for people who aren't into, yeah. don't read all the blogs, that's the very last one before the end of the show. It is. It's the, it's the closer. It's the show closer. And like I was saying before, it seems, you know, the way with Strictly, that that is invariably teed up to be top of the leaderboard and to get, you know, the eulogising of the of the judges. So, of course, a knock-on effect of that is the, the viewers at home are like, yeah, that was great. So they'll vote for that. So you've got that sort of changing on a weekly basis, I think. But at the same time, you know, when you've got a couple like Jay and Aliona, who, you know, Jay, he was almost just the perfect contestant for a show like Strictly. It's like, what's not to love about this guy? He even you know, got a tactical haircut. He did. He did. I mean, he was humble. He was self-deprecating. You know, he came across so well in interview. It's like you couldn't have, you couldn't have built a better contestant to be you know, well liked by the by the strictly voting public. So no doubt with Jay and Aliona, yeah, their their vote would have been high week on week on week. Um I actually think last year um Anton and and Katie, I, I think they were really well liked by the public. And I think they were they were towards the top of the vote. But I think that the show did a very clever job in gradually kind of eroding the goodwill towards them. And I thought that was a shame, actually. I mean, they made the final, but they were they were dead in the water in the final. They were never going to win. They'd sort of knocked the wind out of their sails. Yeah, I mean, they, they sort of went for the comedy angle of Anton in the final, and so that automatically removes any credibility that he has there, that he's got Katie there on her own merits. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I thought... She just was on the receiving end of a lot of a lot of petty criticism week on week, and I, I was just reading that as they're doing they're doing really well on the public vote, and they want to just sort of knock them down a peg or two. And then, meanwhile, there was somebody like um, Georgia May Foot, who I don't think was doing very well on the public vote at all, and I, you could see in in the kind of the way in which she consistently got late running order slots. I haven't got the stats to hand, but if you compare her running orders um, with um, 
you know, Anton and uh, and Katie. She she was on after Katie so many weeks, and they were really having to push them. You know, they were eulogising them, and they were often on late on the show, and they were pushing them towards the top of the leaderboard. And I just thought she's struggling on the public vote, and you know, they're they're trying to keep her um, out of harm's reach and ensuring that she you know at least gets to the final because they. They seem to have an obsession with, you know, we want the best dancers to make the final. And that sometimes works against actually what the public enjoy, you know. The public love a trier. Yeah. Yeah, and they want to be entertained, you know. And um, I think back to, like, John Sargent, you know. I mean, he was, I think he was doing incredibly well on the public vote when, you know, when he withdrew from the show. And it's like, why don't they just let the public have their have their way? It's, I don't know. Sometimes there seems to be a, a clear conflict between what the what the judges are pushing for and actually who the public at home are liking and rooting for. And I think, like last year, they they picked the completely wrong couple to try and push for the win in in Kelly and Kevin. Yeah, I mean, if Georgia and Giovanni's uh, real life possible romance had come out slightly earlier then they could have pushed them for the win yeah and that was like Cara Toynton wasn't it with Artem yeah I mean um, I, I totally fell for that story and so did they and yeah the, the wider voting public did as well and that they they really pushed that narrative because it helped Cara they wanted a female winner that year mm-hmm. um they do, they do like the young actress that they select every year to do well because presumably she'll do well on the tour and, you know, it works well with her agent presumably getting West End work, which most of them do a couple of years after they've done Strictly. But if the young actress that they select doesn't overlap in sort of terms of familiarity with the Strictly voting demographic, she is going to struggle and they are going to have to push her. Yeah, well, she, I think this is this is a constant uh, difficulty that the show has because young, glamorous, attractive females, I think, consistently will struggle on the vote. I think strictly favours, uh, you know, a kind of a a photo fit, kind of safe, good looking, middle class uh, male male winner. You know, so that's why Will Young is is the favourite to win this series. He kind of he, he ticks the boxes for the for the strictly voting demographic. Um, and yeah, you look at the field this year, and you you just kind of know from previous years that those those attractive young females they're going to struggle to get the vote. Like um, you know, Laura Whitmore. Um, who else have we got? Um, I mean, Claudia, I suppose, has got a bit of an Olympic feel-good factor behind her, potentially. That might help her a bit. Uh, Daisy Lowe, I think she's going to struggle. Well, there's, uh, there's some question mark over whether she's going to fall for the, the model curse of not actually being able to look beautiful when she moves. Yeah, there's that as well. Yeah, yeah but, you know, we, we, see, we see these type of contestants consistently, you know, being casualties. And it's, it's only when the show really really has to work at pushing uh pushing them to the final that they get there you know like a georgia may foot last year you know they can they can push them to the final but they they invariably they can't help them win i mean 
Abby Clancy is, is a different case. I mean, they, they managed that series very well because they wanted a female winner. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, it was an all-female final. But that, you know, that was cle- cleverly stage managed by the show for me because they were desperate for a female winner. Caroline Flack, I mean, I think that was maybe the show trying to stick two fingers up at X Factor and they really got behind her. But, they, you know, they had to they had to sort of be very clever in promoting her. And also in that series, they sort of they decimated the, the, the males, um, you know, all, all the potential winners uh, on the male side had been eliminated come the final. So you only had, um, I'm trying to think back, it was the guy from Blue, Simon Webb, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, he sort um, of blew it on the shore dance, I think. And the Toey, the yeah. Toey guy, Mark. Mark Wright. Yes. I've just got the spreadsheet open. But they were never going to win. So, you know, I, th- I just think yeah. uh, there is, there is, you know, dark arts at work with Strictly. Yeah. So we've, we've spoken about at length now about these production techniques that are used to, I don't know, push winners and enhance stories and make it, I don't know, an entertaining reality soap as a, a, in addition to being a, a competition. What shows that are on do you think actually sort of cross the line into leading and misleading the audience? Yeah, well, I mean, X Factor leads the way in that. I mean, it's just horrendous. You know, it's um, it's just it's all about um, you know getting getting the public emotionally involved, and you know they'll do the tear jerking backstories, and they'll have the VTs about you know the dead relative or the, um, you know, the terminally ill um, cousin or whatever it may be, you know, it doesn't matter um, what it is. They'll, they'll, they'll wheel it out for the sake of that contestant, you know, then getting a, a strong public vote. Yeah. Uh, I, do, I do think Strictly has started to plumb the depths a little bit, doing the same sort of thing. Yeah, to, the, to I, if, if I could change anything about the Strictly format, it would be to restrict the training vts to training Mm. um the 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 comedy ones look so cheap for saturday night tv the tear jerking ones are just mawkish and obvious yes um and i really think that you know especially last year when they were trying desperately not to destroy doctor who's ratings by chucking it around in the schedules you could have a a a manageable length tv show and do the results in the same night if you wanted to um if you didn't have five minutes of people who can't do comedy doing comedy yeah I, i i totally agree um yeah, I, I don't like I don't like the VTs anymore. I think you know they've it's just become so confected, really, the whole thing. And um, I actually preferred it when they had the results show on a, on a Saturday night, and I, I loved it. Um, you know, when it was live, like you know, you had that jeopardy, and it, you know, the dance off live, I think, would be a fantastic thing. You know, the Sunday show for me. Well, I suppose I, I don't talk for the audience of Strictly because I want to know the result of the dance-off. So I'm checking Digital Spy at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night to see who's been eliminated, who's in the dance-off and who's been eliminated. So the Sunday show is, is pretty much meaningless apart from just tuning in to see exactly how it went on the dance-off and, you know, how the judges scored it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
yeah, I just don't like it, the pre-recorded format. I just, I find that dull. I mean, you know, X Factor, they still have live shows on a Saturday and a Sunday, and that enhances the show because there's that great sense of jeopardy attached to it. And um, I do think Strictly, you know, they're missing a trick by, by not having not having a, a live, you know, a live dance off on, on, on a sec on a second show on the Saturday night. Yeah. It just, the Sunday show just does not feel vital. Mm. Um, you know, you're not really missing much if you've sort of just got it on in the background while you're sorting dinner out. Um, you'll sort of go, Oh, the person I sort of expected to leave is leaving. And, here is a badly staged musical number. Great. Um, but, yeah, there could be an improvement to the Sunday night format. Yeah, and, and then, you know, the theme weeks, you know, I just find them very tired and just so over the top. I mean, the Halloween one, you know, the, the way they get them dressed, I just think, what are they doing? And it's almost like there you can see, well, are they are they trying to get that couple eliminated? Because, you know, look how... how how they've dressed them up. There's, they look awful and, they, you know, there's going to be no connection there with the viewer. Halloween week often suffers because they're at the point in the series where there's slightly more couples than there are Halloween-y things to dress up as. So somebody always ends up being, I don't know, a scary doll. And, <laughs> yeah, it, it looks bad. Theme weeks have, just because, just by repetition now, um, movie week is looking sad and tired and we're going to end up actually reprising numbers from previous years yeah that happens a lot now doesn't it yeah. uh, same choice of songs um and yeah i don't i don't like them i don't like the movie week um god i'm sounding like a miserable curmudgeon i we mean do the, the, we do enjoy the show it is very fun i i do i, do. I mean <laughs> yeah i mean for me it's about winning money so i'm not your you know i'm not your usual kind of viewer i suppose but you know, from a from an entertainment perspective, I actually I do I do enjoy Strictly. I certainly prefer it to X Factor, which I, I just think is just so it's just so grubby. You know, the whole way that, that they just manipulate the whole thing. It's just awful. Coming from our Eurovision backgrounds, the the thing that they're doing with fabulous pop star Sara Alto is really weird to see. Because they had her on as sort of comedy foreigner. Yes. Very strange, given that, you know, she was, you know, a heartbeat away from being the Finnish Eurovision entry she this was, year. And yeah. she's um, extremely accomplished and a songwriter and does a lot of film work. It was very weird how they're presenting her. I know. Yeah, that that's, that sums up X Factor, doesn't it? And um, I mean, there's a chance she might get in as a wild card, I think. But yeah, just... Typical, typical X Factor, really, to sort of go down that road, with, you know, with her. What's been your biggest entertainment betting success so far? And have, are there any low moments you want to share with us? Well, there's the, there's lots of lots of highs and lows, Ellie. That's kind of the nature of of, of what I do. Um, thankfully, more highs than, than lows. That's um, good to hear. Yeah, I mean, with, with Strictly, I mean, I got fond memories of Chris Holland's winning um, because that that was a big win for me. Um, that year, the Daily Star um, 
published a story, a vote leak, saying that Hollins was topping the vote every week. And the Daily Star actually has a tremendous tra- track record on these vote leaks, uh, certainly did at that time. And um, he was still like 28 to 1. It was an unbelievable price looking back. And, you know, you just had to back him on, on, on the back of that. It's like, well, you know, he's going to go very close to winning if he's topping the, the vote. And that was that was kind of – it was still at a time where there weren't so many dark arts. But I do recall – I think it was the – it must have been the semi-final. And there was – there was scheduled to be a dance-off and I was still nervous about that, that that they might, you know, very cleverly try and get Chris into the bottom two and then, you know, kick him off in the the dance-off. But then I I tuned into It Takes Two, I think it was on the Monday night, and Claudia, because there'd been a lot of speculation, is there going to be a dance-off in the semi-final? And then she she announced, she officially announced, there will not be a dance-off in the semi-final. And then it was just like a, a complete feeding frenzy on Betfair as people <laughs> like me just latched onto the fact that Chris Hollins was, in theory, a certainty to win the series because he could not be beaten, topping the public vote, as we believed he was. And as it turned out, that's exactly what happened. He got through the semi-final. And then, yeah, he won the final and he won me a lot of money. So that, that, was, that was great. Um, yeah, his so the winners they all tend to have a big Charleston that everybody goes mad for, and I don't know the the joy with which Charleston's are greeted makes me feel like an alien because I've I've seen <coughs> enough of them now and I could I I could happily never see another Charleston again, uh, but I guess that is one thing to watch out for when the Charlestons start happening, who gets the big iconic one who gets that little bit more effort with the the props and the setting and the choreography on the charleston yeah it can be a bit of a game changer and you know chris hollins he was just again he was just the perfect photo fit of middle england you know he was just he had you could see why he was topping the 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 public vote you know it was just with his with his breakfast profile and he sort of created this this sweet i suppose endearing partnership with Ola you know he called her Ola Chops didn't he yeah nauseating to begin with but when you when you stand to win a lot of money you you don't mind that ultimately but um that that was that was a good one for me uh Tom Chambers as well that was that was memorable because again if you remember I was pretty sure that he was topping the public vote chambers and I think, again, it was the semi-final, wasn't it? And there was due to be a dance-off. And watching that show, it was like, well, they're trying to get Chambers into the dance-off and they're going to then eliminate him. But somebody, all these people rang up, didn't they, in fury to the BBC and said, because of the, the voting, the way it was on the, um, on the leaderboard, yeah. Tom couldn't escape the bottom two. Was that right? Something like that. Yeah, it was a, yeah. It was a sort of a weird maths... Exactly, yeah, and then they announced you're all through to the final, and again it was like from that point it's like well Chambers wins, Chambers wins. So again there was a complete frenzy backing Chambers to win, and of course he went on to win. So that that was that was a joy. But the, the low moments would be um, Matt Baker losing to Cara Toynton um, because I was 
I'd backed Matt Baker um, quite heavily, and I basically I got greedy. It was kind of a lesson in not being greedy because I I could have backed Cara come the final and made a nice profit on both of them, but I sat tight with my big Matt Baker profit, thinking I think he's going to just edge it, and of course he didn't. And the only thing that beats the sort of the nice middle class, not sexually aggressive man is the love story and the love story won. That's exactly it. And also I could see week on week they were just incredibly petty with their criticism of Matt Baker. And they would they really did their utmost to just gradually erode his, his vote. And I, I thought his vote was still potentially robust enough to to hold off the kind of, you know, the dark arts. But ultimately, it wasn't because, yeah, I mean, it was the it was the Cara uh, Artem love story, and that was sort of the the, the trump card for them that, that helped them help them win. Um, and there was another one like that, which um, I kind of uh, well, it's 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 a low it's a low moment in a way. It would be um, Gethin um, Gethin Jones, who I'd backed at big prices and he was going great guns and then they they put him away in the semi-final can you remember it um it was him with matt d'angelo and alicia dixon and they they desperately wanted a female winner in alicia and my view is that um gethin was probably very very dangerous um you know at the top of the public vote and they just completely set him up um for, for losing the semi-final. Um, they got him into the dance-off. They bigged up Matt D'Angelo, who had kind of forgotten his routine the previous week or so, and then there was Len Goodman standing up applauding him, and I thought, oh, no, what's afoot here? And yeah. Gethin got, got eliminated. So that, that, was a bit, that was a bit painful. But, I mean, yeah, on the other shows, there's, there's, been, there's been highs and lows as well. Um, but yeah, those are the strictly ones. Um, so, as well as uh, finding it a sort of a tremendously interesting uh, probability experiment and TV production experiment, do you have a favourite Strictly dance for dancers' sake and for entertainment? And whose journey did you find most memorable? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be some of those um, early series for me, Ellie, because um, maybe it's nostalgia, rose-tinted spectacles, and all that, but. Um, there was there was the financial side as well, but I thought Mark Ramprakash, I thought that was brilliant when he won with Karen. Their partnership for me was really genuine, and I just loved, you know, the way they sort of progressed over the weeks. I just found something very, very honest about them. And, you know, what you saw in the training room, you felt, you know, that was sort of quite real. Yeah, and I think Karen Hardy is absolutely fabulous, and I would absolutely love to see her genuineness and her knowledge of dance come in to replace Len when he leaves. Totally agree. I'd love to see her um, as the new uh, head judge. Yeah, get her, get her in there. Totally. Um, I think back to their Argentine tango as well. That was one of the standout dances of, of all the series for me. Good so time. powerful at the time. I mean, their show dance was, was magnificent as well. But um, And then you mentioned the Charleston and how kind of saccharine you find it and i suppose it was but chris holland's charleston <laughs> I, I, I kind of well i loved it but i suppose i am biased because that for me was that sealed his win you know yeah. and I, I thought he was winning already but 
when I saw that, I thought he's got he's got he's definitely got it now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I loved Aliona actually. I thought she was she was uh, she was great. She had some some great partnerships with Jay last year. I thought that was a great partnership. Um, I like Natalie Lowe. So yeah, she is. A, a bit of an icon the the best pro to never have won is her sort of tabloid epithet yeah so obviously we've talked about 2016 a little bit and you don't want to give away your whole strategy just yet but who do you think looks like they'll have an interesting time yeah i think it, it looks quite an open open year this year ellie I, i'm not really committing too much at this early stage um I think there's a there's a few sort of big priced uh, contestants who I think might surprise and 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 you know in the, in the early weeks we'll see their odds coming down and there I'm talking about um, maybe Nag, Naga Manchetti I think she could be very good uh, I have doubts about a public vote but I think she could come out in the early weeks and do something good and uh, you know we'll see we'll see her price contract. With a lot of the men, you can't really tell until they've done their first Latin. That's very true. I think Ore, I think he's going to be a real snake hips. I mean, I, I flagged him up on Entertainment Odds as one of my pre-series picks, and his, his price is actually virtually halved already, just on the basis of the launch show and him sort of looking like he's got some some real good rhythm. I think for the for the fast Latin, he could be very good. I mean, Joanna Clifton, she's, she's actually a ballroom expert, isn't she? So... Yeah. I think, you know, she'll help him hopefully master that side of things as well. My concern with RA is I just thought he came across as a bit too a bit too confident, a bit too cocksure, and that is a potential negative. I think the viewers want to see somebody who's very humble and genuinely humble, not Peter Andre humble, which just comes across as disingenuous. I still can't believe that that happened, just Peter Andre on Strictly. It didn't yeah. seem to fit. He's very ITV, isn't he? I mean, he's very Iceland. Um, and, yeah, um, he, he just, he's just so plastic. I mean, you know, everything he said. I mean, it's the same, same with um, the guy from Toei when he was on. You know, he was trying to read from the from the reality TV book, saying the right things about, you know, I've never danced before and I'm throwing myself into it. Mark Wright. Oh, yeah, and his, his mom and his gran. Yeah. yeah, and just didn't buy into it at all. Um, I mean, Will, Will Young, you know, he, he ticks a lot of boxes. Um, he, he does actually have to do it, though, now. He does, he does. And how's he going to cope with criticism? This is my one question, just thinking back to Pop Idol and, you know, how he did that famous kind of retort to, to Cal. That's like 15 years ago That now, though. He's an extremely mellow guy he's well yeah. i think there might be a bit of an edge there still from what i've kind of gleaned but we shall see i mean he probably he'll probably be okay he'll probably be okay but the the worry for you know for a lot of these guys is if they come out week one and they're brilliant that can be a real negative because there's just nowhere for them to go you know there's there's very little room for improvement yeah, you have uh, to strive for adequacy in the first couple of weeks. Yeah. The one at a big price that I, I flagged up on the site is Greg Rutherford. I mean, it's the, it's the Nat Lower angle. I think she's a fantastic teacher. Um, I think she'll get the best out of him. And 
I'm hoping with his sort of Olympic profile that he's going to, you know, get to grips with the technique and improve over the weeks. He could be your classic journey type contestant. And we're long overdue, a proper journey winner. And it might just be Greg, but there's there's a danger there. There's a clear danger that he could just be terrible in the early weeks and not make enough improvement and be, you know, be an early an early casualty. Yeah. All you have to do to get through to sort of Halloween is be better than Ed, Anastasia, Leslie Joseph, and probably Daisy. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tamika, she's going to be um pretty good i think she might surprise um but i I see sort of an alison hammond type trajectory for her uh i'm not sure about claudia i mean claudia was was uh the anti-post favorite with the bookmakers and i was quite surprised i think the issue there is her height um i just don't think aesthetically it looks how viewers want to see dances i mean you know her partner AJ is similarly quite small, isn't he? But he's still taller than Claudia, and I just think they look like junior Strictly contestants. Oh yeah, everybody wants to see sort of basically gazelles. Yeah, yeah. And you know, somersaults and and gymnastic skills are only going to take her so far. Um, so I'm not convinced by Claudia. Uh, but she is probably one of the more likely female candidates. I mean, Louise Redknapp, I think, is the every woman who could have a decent run on on the show. Um, you know, I think she she potentially can get a decent public vote over the weeks. Um, but yeah, there's there's a few in there that might surprise. I mean, Melvin Adoom could be could be pretty decent, but I'm not sure how popular he's going to be. Yeah, it seems like people having heard of him doesn't spread much outside the m25 yeah exactly who else is there i think we've covered it i mean leslie's going to be entertaining with anton you know they'll have a, they'll have a run they'll they'll, they'll last a, a fair while just for the entertainment factor yeah judge rinder yeah he could surprise as well he could he could do okay um i'm not entirely convinced he's there for scripted well, semi-scripted banter with Craig, isn't he? Absolutely. Yeah, I wrote that in my in my preview, funnily enough. I think that's exactly why he's there. It's going to be all those sort of sharp barbs, isn't it? Back and forth between him and Craig. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, so, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also slightly already groaning about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shall we wrap it up there? So would you like to tell us where we can... Uh, where we can keep up with you as you uh, follow the Autumn's reality TV. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just invite people to check out uh, entertainmentodds.com and I do um, analysis of, of Strictly on there every every week. Um, there's an article looking at the eliminations and who, who might be the next one to be eliminated and then just giving an overview of uh, the other markets as well. And... I also cover X Factor as well. So, you know, we have Strictly and X Factor um, all through the autumn up until Christmas. There'll be some Sports Personality of the Year coverage, which is very interesting this year because there's so many um, so many candidates. Mm-hmm. And then um, from the start of next year, uh, everything is about Eurovision. So it's sort of the first five months of the year that the site changes to uh eurovision analysis but yeah check out the site please do entertainmentodds.com 
That was episode three of the Keep Dancing podcast. If you want to get in touch with us and correct us on who got eliminated before Ali Bastian, or if you've got any questions for our Strictly team, you can email us at keepdancingpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter as Keep Dancing Pod, and we've got a Facebook page that you can find by searching for the Keep Dancing Podcast. Please join us in the comments. We're also on Tumblr at keepdancingpodcast.tumblr.com. And on all of these pages, there'll be a link where you can subscribe to our RSS feed so that you'll always get our latest episode. We're now in the iTunes directory too, and we'll post links to that page. If you're going to gamble on TV or any other markets, make sure you keep it sensible. Visit gambleaware.com for more information. Thanks for listening. Keep dancing.